0: Hi, everybody. I want to let you know that I will be not on this episode. Um, Filling in for me, uh, previous uh, guest of the show, Madeline Femling, will be guest hosting. And uh, the guest today will be first time on the show, filmmaker Megan Treadall. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week and um, enjoy the show. Thanks again.
1: Welcome to the Saint Paul Film Cast. It is I, Nick. Wait, it's not Nick. It is <laughs> it is Madeline Carita Fleming, and I am guest hosting on this wonderful Film Cast today. And we are with the amazing Megan Trendall. I think I said that right. I hope I said it right. Yeah, you said it right. <laughs> Yay! I've been practicing for the last ten minutes. <laughs> so, how are you doing? Good. So we talked about a bunch of things, so I'm trying to figure out where do we start.
0: Um, For the people who don't know Megan, let's talk about what do you do? I am a producer for um, my own company, Unbox Productions. Um, I don't know, I don't know. (laughs) um, Wait,
1: so you're a producer, I know you're a director. Um, I know you produce, I know you direct. Um, I know you run Unboxed Productions. Like, those are all real huge things, though. I like how you're just like, and, you know, I just just do some stuff. I don't know. You know, but you do a lot of things.
0: You do a crazy amount of things. But maybe it's the the Midwest humbleness. Well, I mean, like, so I say producer, and I end up, like, more or less helping other people kind of, like, achieve what they have kind of planned. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, So I have a few friends with a few different creative ideas and they just kind of come to me for um, some help Mm -hmm. with like achieving this. And so, uh, yeah, I'll just, uh, whether it's like getting them the equipment that they need or uh, just being like a means of finance, uh, financially supporting them or something, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what I enjoy doing i guess that's so. awesome
1: that's awesome so you're 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 kind of like yoda like you're kind of like giving them the knowledge and the guidance um producing is a hard job i recently like stepped into producing and it's really not easy it's definitely not easy and i also think that like you know um it's hard to be a woman and uh, and also say that like you want to produce not because it's hard to be a woman. It's hard because the industry that we work in is definitely
0: a boys' club. It is. <laughs> I yes, I'd have to agree. There there are a few times that like um, I've dealt with, being a female in the in filmmaking, mm-hmm. um, and it's not easy. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's something like you know, I'm I'm a grip on set and I'm just kind of like told, I, I'll take care of it. By one of the guys because mm-hmm. I'm a little weaker or something, or even just like with the whole. Um, I know I can't I can't use certain language, but being a jerk when mm-hmm. I'm assistant directing or something because mm-hmm. it's it's one of those roles that you kind of have to be a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's it's seen in a different way than when. A man is assistant mm-hmm. directing. Yep. I think in a lot of ways. So I don't know. No, you're absolutely right. Like uh, I I took on
1: a project and it was it was almost absolutely horrendous. Like there was a point where um if people don't know, I am a, a woman of color. And <laughs> if people don't know, I Maddie am a woman of color. And there was a point where I had to work on one set where I was I was trying to help produce and i literally had to go and tell a a white dude to tell the rest of the crew because they were also white men whatever it is that i had to say because all of a sudden i was difficult because i would give a direct command not command but a direct order like you do i need you to do this and i would say please and thank you i try to make it as sweet as possible but it was like we got things to do sorry that i can't like put preface everything that i say to you first you know and then for a while i heard that i was difficult and and it just becomes this idea that, like, like, we're working in this industry just as they are, but then at the same time, we also have to be held to these weird standards of being like, well, I also need to be extra polite, and then I, I need to bring everybody cookies every morning. And, like, we always have to put this extra sugary mom vibe on this when other people can just go, hey, do this. And guys can even be rude to each other. They'll, like, even be like, hey, do this, numb nuts And guys will be like, yeah, I'm going to do that. You say, hey, please do this. And they'll be like, I'll do it when I feel like it. Mm-hmm. But they won't even say that. But it's 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 just a weird arena to be in. And it's like recently, um, I was able... That project where I had all that trouble on eventually failed. Because it was just like me trying to fight against the force of like this, this all-white boys club in Minneapolis. Oh, this all-white boys club in Minneapolis. And then when I finally produced something and I had a female crew, which is the last film, which I think we talked about last time, called Ouroboros. It actually, it was it was wonderful.
0: Yeah, and and like I I have this friend who um like she is uh, super into doing narrative films and everything, mm-hmm. and she has this amazing creative mind. Um, and I think I probably have more fun working with her mm-hmm. on set uh, when I do narratives because she. She gets it, <laughs> yeah. Um, because she's had that too. When it when it's like, uh, you know, because she is a female, mm-hmm. she's treated differently, mm-hmm. both in the workplace and, um, just in society. You preach. know, preach that. <laughs> but like, so her and I will like talk about things, and usually we'll try to bounce off in a way that it's like, you know, with the mindset of either she's directing or I'm directing and then the opposite is either like DP or assistant director. Mm-hmm. So that way we kind of can like, um, I, I I guess like that way we can kind of like depend on the fact that we are not gonna be belittled mm-hmm. in what we're planning yeah. or anything. And there's a few people out there, you know, like, I have my partner and she has her brother Mm -hmm. that we know that we can trust Mm -hmm. are not going to like look at us any differently. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know, for the most part, like when it comes to creative filmmaking, Mm -hmm. um, I like to have her around for sure.
1: I, That's absolutely awesome. It's awesome to have like, uh, just a teammate that you can go, hey, I know that you're always gonna be on point. Because like, it, it, it is really hard, and it's like talking to other women in the industry is, is pretty much the only way I get to actually let out this frustration. Because it was like, by the time everything was over, I heard that I was a narcissistic bitch that needed to humble herself. <laughs> and I was just like, what? I, I What? And it was just like, oh, sorry. <laughs> oop, blooper, guys, blooper. But it was, it was the fact of hearing that. And I was just like, all I did was ask you a direct, direct things because I was directing. Um, but it's nice to know that you can have that fallback and you have that relationship with somebody where you can go in and you know that it's going to be amazing work and you know that like this person isn't, gonna you, isn't going to belittle you, isn't going to belittle you, talk behind your back, is going to want to listen, and there's going to be a level of respect. Mm-hmm. And not not to diss the film industry in in general, <laughs> but uh, that doesn't always happen, especially when we're women working in the industry. In the industry,
0: and like the nice thing is 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 it can it's getting better, mm-hmm. you know. Like there there are a lot of guys out there who will like try to help in the sense that like I will give you opportunities, you know. Mm-hmm. But then you know you I there's always that thought that it's like, are you doing that because I'm a girl too? you know? And it, it kind of goes into the opposite mm-hmm. end of like, am I getting these opportunities because I'm good mm-hmm. at this or because I'm a girl? But at, this, at the same end, it's like, um, in talking to this with my friend, uh, Victoria, you know, we, we kind of like established almost that it's almost better than like even though we're getting these opportunities kind of like um just because you know Mm -hmm. it's a chance to prove ourselves yeah and a chance to go like okay thank you and this is why you made the right choice (laughs) yeah
1: it's it's about taking it I think that there is like as we step into this new realm where there's more female directors there is a little bit of imposter syndrome and it's like we've been working so hard but then when you first start going you're like is it is it because I'm 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 good? Is it because I'm female? Is mm-hmm. it because you this and that? And then there's a lot of things we go through our head. And then like what I learned is take it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, you want to give this to me because I'm female? You want to give this to me because I'm brown? Well, yeah, let me take this. <laughs> like, okay, cool. I don't care why. Like trying to think <laughs> the intentions of why people do things will drive you mad. Just take it while you can. Mm-hmm. But it's like for instance, you're absolutely right. Or for me, like I recently had something where somebody. Um, was like oh there's this mo- this theater that'll let you show their movies the first run movies and it was like getting into a conversation and being like okay I have this this and this and then all of a sudden it was just like it was like having a conversation like okay and then when is the premiere when is this and then they're like you know you're pretty and I'm like thanks anyway back to what we're doing and then it'd be like you want to grab co-? And in the middle of like you want to grab coffee so no dog I'm trying to do this this is a business is that you in your profile or is that a model thanks it's me it's it's me. Yeah, yeah, can, can, um, can we talk about these things that I'm doing? Can, can we get back on track here? And I think that that's, that's a lot of the, that's part of the industry too, where you're just like, yeah, so I know I have breasts. Thanks, can we continue working? Can we continue moving forward? Thank you, I acknowledge I have a vagina. Thanks, thanks, I'm glad we both did. Um, can we continue and move forward into the work? Like no, I'm not interested in any of that. Can can you please just help me move forward in what the project is? Yes. And you yes. know, and, and it's like, and it's like I know for a fact that that's not happening. <laughs> when he talks to male clients about going be in his film theater, film uh, and be in his theater film theater, huh? When it's uh, that, so it's a lot. I feel like there's just a lot that we deal with, and what female directors have been like. I think my fir- the first female directed film I ever saw was Clueless. <laughs> Which shouldn't have taken that long, but um, as a a female director producer, um, what are the projects that you love the most? Like, what is the project that you have that you f- like just found yourself most passionate about?
0: In things that I've done, mm-hmm. um, well, there was a project that I did uh, quite a few months ago. It might have been last year at this point, um, where. So I went to IPR, uh, Mm -hmm. Institute of Production and Recording, Mm -hmm. um, and I was a digital video major. And I had taken or I got put into a sound design class. And sound design is not my forte. Mm -hmm. um, But I was um, put in a position where I needed to take uh, a few days off because of my sister's wedding. So... um, I got moved around a little bit and ended up in this same sound design class with a bunch of sound design students. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even with my with my same teammates. And we were given a project, um, like both classes were given the same project of creating a short film that's um, heavily surrounded around the sound design element. And uh, I was the only DV student with my uh crew or Mm -hmm. my team so um sat down wrote a script and then kind of like as I was writing the script it was just one of those moments that it's like it's really heavy you know and uh it seemed like everything was going super fast with the project because we I we wrote the script and we were going to shoot it that following weekend and um the day before we were going to shoot, our actresses dropped out oh, Wow! Oh because they found out that the uh, um, the crew was a little bit bigger than they thought it was going to be, and they were worried with COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's fair, but yeah. now I'm out actresses and I have a shoot the next day. Oh, um, so I reached out to a friend of mine, um, and they said that their sister could help. And so I got, um, I got a new actress for it and we uh, went to the IPR um, building and did it at that set. And it was, I was both director and DP and uh, I had somebody who was kind of brand new to gaffing, doing all the gaffing um, I had the sound design students all focus on sound, like that was their primary goal. Mm-hmm. And um, I had my partner as the assistant director, and uh, it, everything just kind of like, it felt like everything should have fallen apart, but anything that fell apart just made it better, you know? And so it turned out to be a pretty cool project, because it, it's, it's called depression, and um, and it's it's basically just about this girl who comes into her room, and um just like torn apart, and uh, it's she she's hearing all these voices and just telling her that she's garbage, she's worth nothing, nobody likes her, stuff like that. Uh, to the point that she looks over and she sees some razors just on her side table, and as the voices are like coercing her to yeah. grab one and basically kill herself Mm -hmm. um she brings it up to her wrist and then the screen just goes black and then it's just like a like a PSA to say that's like you know depression suicide is not just a common thing that should be a common thing Mm -hmm. you know like we need to do something about it because there's more teenagers out there that will move forward with this thought process and like means of moving forward you know Mm -hmm. in other words there's too many people who will kill themselves for things that we can you know just smile at somebody and it can change everything through their perspective Mm -hmm. and I feel like that project I guess I don't know um how many people have seen it or how many lives it's touched or anything Mm -hmm. but it's it's one that like It's it's funny because it just started out as like a class assignment, but it kind of means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, there were things that we learned when we we did it, like um, there's some shots that uh, it ended up being a little too grainy because we had used, I think we used the Panasonic GH5S for it, and we boosted the ISO a little too high um, the lighting was like a little harsh in some places, but also that's because the gaffer was new at gaffing. It's all good. Um, but,
1: let me let me let me stop you because uh, it's like I'm like just thinking about what you just said. The craziest part is when you're like, I don't know how many people that's touched. Like it literally just touched me because <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but I am a suicide survivor. I have deep depression and. I mean, we're on the radio, but, like, I have... This is this is what I got from being 14 years old. You know, I had... I missed my artery, my major artery, by about a millil- millimeter. So you talking about that, it's absolutely the truth. It happened to me. I was one of those kids. You know, I was one of those kids where... Um, I was a gifted student, but I was also born into the ghetto. I was born to be a statistic. Like, you know, I'm a child of a teenage mom, who's a child of a teenage mom, who's a child of a teenage mom, you know? And then it was just like, um, I think James Baldwin said to to be intelligent and conscious while being black is like screaming into the void and nobody hears you. And for me, I came online real early. You know, like when I was about 11 or 12, I understood systematic oppression pretty well. And just happened a day where the depression got deeper and I kept seeing the things going on around me, the systematic oppression, the misogyny. And there was just one day, not even one day, like the, the voices like you were talking about got louder and louder, until one day I grabbed a piece of glass and just slit my own wrist. And I had already been working up to that by being a cutter. And it's like, not to get too involved, but like it hit me in this really emotional way while you were talking. Like I'm trying not to cry thinking about it. And for me, like, I died on a table and my heart restarted about 40 seconds later. So to really think about that isn't, I, I wish that your PSA had existed then because what you're saying is super important because you're talking to somebody who literally survived that. Like I should be dead. I should have been dead about 14, 15 years ago. So I think the PSA and the message you're really having, it, it's gonna, it resonates with me. And I know that I'm not the only person or the only person uh, that made it through that time period. But even as an adult, you're never fully away from that. You're never fully away from the suicide survivor. Mm-hmm. You know, even as an adult, there's times where I get to get I start to see the signs and then I have to go get help or I have to find ways to pull myself out of that. So it's one of those things where it's it's a life long thing that you live with especially if you have depression and if you've ever attempted suicide and for me as a person i i accomplished it the the universe decided that it wasn't time for me to go Mm -hmm. but what you're saying and what you wrote that's it's i don't know if you've been through that yourself or if you knew somebody but now you know somebody (sighs) and i think that what you're saying is just important and deep on so many levels because we never really think about that especially you know, we, what, what we show children on TV, what we show teenagers on TV. There's this competition where you have to look like, you have to look like Nicki Minaj and all these other people, and there's these ideas of what you're supposed to be, how much money you're supposed to have. Like, those things are just so huge when you're in high school. And then you become an adult, and you're like, none of these people matter. But at the meantime, it feels like your whole world is, is around that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for creating that. Thank you for actually, kind of making that PSA because, like I said, I'm the the situation you describe is is I did it. I went through that. I'm that person that you wrote about. So
0: that that's that's kind of my goal with mm-hmm. with I what I would like is for anything to make I make to mm-hmm. kind of be um, a voice, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, like I'm, I'm working on a project right now. I can't go into too much detail, but Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a documentary about like, um, sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, abuse in that. And it's just, it's, um, it's very hard to kind of go through all of the, uh, the stuff that I have to go through to make this documentary,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's very eye opening. You know, like as the editor, I'm just kind of like I'm, I'm listening to all these stories, and I'm, um, I'm seeing these images and everything, and it's just, it's a lot to take, you know. And I think what what kind of helps is knowing, you know, it is it's the same thing with the depression PSA. Mm-hmm it's knowing that there's somebody who's probably gone through this okay. that is going to watch it and know that there's help out there, you know? And that's, that's like, yeah, that's what I want to do with anything. Um, even as simple as like doing a, a promotional for an event, mm-hmm. I want to be able to have like a, um, uh, a, a story mm-hmm. so to speak to kind of like a voice, as I said, mm-hmm. um, so, I don't know, it's, yeah.
1: No, I, I completely agree with that. You well, I think everything you create, you kind of want it to resonate mm-hmm. with people. Like, if it doesn't cause a reaction, what are you really doing? I mean, granted, I do a lot of crappy commercials <laughs> for a lot of different brands, um, but I, I wanted to touch back on the um, sex trafficking documentary, because we had talked earlier, and I've been working on one called Warrior Marks, and, the hardest part is the editing part. Like there's so many like there are so many days where I was like trying to edit. It's still it's still unfinished, it's still in pro, pro- in progress. But you just end up in tears. Mm-hmm. Like there's just points when I was just like just exploding into tears where I'm like I can't go on anymore. Like you know, there's points where you have to stop. It's important what you're doing, but like the emotional toll that telling these stories, I don't a lot of, I don't think a lot of people understand the emotional toll of telling the stories that are needed to be told you know um and people people want to expect uh female filmmakers to make things like clueless like i said that was like my first film or 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 um or wonder woman you know we're pretty we're expected to keep it pretty light and and happy and fun but the stories that we need to tell aren't always going to be that way the stories that are really important to women that we need not just women but you know sex trafficking does happen to women, men, children. It is it is something that is a disease and it is all over the world. Mm-hmm. But those are the stories that need to be told. Yeah. The stories that make you cry when you're in the editing booth where you're like, it's <laughs> not running down your face. Those are the moments, you know. Like for me, like those are the moments in the editing booth, those are the moments as the director, those are the moments as the actor and the audience. Mm-hmm. The moments where you feel your the tears welling up in your eyes and the snot around your nose and you're like, I'm not gonna cry and then all of a sudden the water works, you
0: know. There, then, there was this one day I specifically remember I was going through um a few images to like um, uh, kind of show for, for like this story that this um person was was talking about and then like you know right after that I had to um not had to but I I needed to go through the police report mm-hmm. to see if I could scan some documents to kind of overlay on this mm-hmm. and it's a 393 page police report or Jesus. something and I was just kind of skimming through And there were some sections that, you know, like when you're reading this, it almost gets you in the mindset of like, I'm just reading a book. Mm -hmm. And then you read something again from another perspective Mm -hmm. and then the same thing through another perspective and all that. And then there's like the interviews and it's like, it's, it's almost like a script, the way it's like kind of worded. And like... There was just one part I was reading, and and again, I can't get into detail because it, it, I don't want to get into like what specifically it's about. You'll have to watch the documentary for it. yeah, of course, of course. but um, I just like i read I read this section of one of the interviews, and I just like I slid back from my desk, and it was like three in the morning or something, mm-hmm. and I just got up and I laid down in bed, and I just laid in bed wide awake. For like an hour and a half, trying not to cry yeah. from because it just it dawned on me on how real it mm-hmm. was, and that this happened. Like, it's not like this person went through this, and they have to live with this for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. knowing that this happened to them, and their name is plastered all over, and that's what they're known for because this other. Person, <laughs> we can call them someone, creature, creature, this, <laughs> this, creature. <laughs> this yeah, this, this disgusting creature, yeah, um, moved on, uh, just desire, yeah, and and they, they just animalistic, you know, know if that's desire.
1: That's it's just, that's, that's something viral.
0: it's, yeah, I mean, like, they just, they had this. This want mm-hmm. and they destroyed lives for it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's enough. that's just hard to deal with, you know. Um, but yeah, Whew. <laughs> sorry, we're getting a little deep in here. But um yeah, just just thinking about what's what's that that all entails. You know, that's a lot for that's a lot for anybody to deal with, just <laughs> even as the audience. But then having to know that, like, you have to keep going back into this every day. It's this like in order to tell this story, to go keep going back into it.
0: Yeah, you know, a it, lot of breaks are needed, and, yeah. like, I've been um, binge-watching The Office because <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's such a good, like, you know, this this is such a deep edit to mm-hmm. get into, and then once you, you're, you know, editing for, like, four or five hours and listening to the same thing over and over, and, like, it it just gets harder and harder, and then it's like, okay... I need to step away, have some chicken nuggets, yeah. and watch The Office for like two hours. Chicken
1: nuggets. <laughs> I understand completely. Like, I, I completely understand that. I, um, I, recently, I recently did a three-week stage tour, and there was nothing happy about this play whatsoever. It was uh, kind of recanting the um, traumas that people of color face. And it was and it was for a mostly um, older white audience, and it was going doing two hours of rehearsals a day and then doing another two hours of shows. And I was playing a ten year old that was dealing with systematic racism early like in the, um, in the educational system. And it was just like doing that every day, I was just like, oh my God, I got I went home. And I was like, okay, how do I not? keep feeling this trauma since I have to keep connecting into this trauma and I think that's when you're editing you have to connect into that trauma you have to keep connecting into that trauma mm-hmm. and it's it's almost masochistic but we have to tell these stories and just for me it was just like how and, and in the middle of that at the very last week I almost had a nerve I had a nervous breakdown you know because I couldn't stop my like I had to keep going back into that and I had a nervous breakdown. You know, I found myself at the emergency clinic and being like, oh my God, I gotta learn when to stop. I gotta learn when to like de-roll and eat some chicken nuggets and watch The Office, you know, or Paradise PD. I've been watching what we do in Shadows when I need to like, when I need to like really like unravel. But I wasn't doing that because I got so hyper-focused on telling these stories and being into that story and making sure that like the audience felt it and then I felt it. And then there was just a point where I just broke down and started crying on stage and -hmm. and as emotional as that was for me, people were like, oh my God, that's acting. (laughs) They stood up and did a slow clap and I was just like, I'm glad I'm a good enough actor that like, that seemed real. Like, that seemed like that I'm Denzel Washington up in here. But like, it really was just a real reaction to the weeks of like, trauma and connecting into that trauma and being able to retell that trauma in a way in which people will connect to it also and see beyond themselves like uh just because like because the stories we have to tell we have to be able to tell these stories to 10 year old well maybe not the sex trafficking well yeah you know what 10 year olds are the ones most affected girls are the most ones affected
0: well that's the thing is like uh it's it's you know child pornography or child Mm -hmm. abuse imagery it's it's Mm -hmm. like it's just i think that it's not it's not like we have to you know (laughs) shove it down their throat or anything but so they're aware that this is a thing, you know, and like, this isn't normal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, in in, um, you know, some cases, like it it can be somebody like in the school district, mm-hmm. and like, the, how are the parents going to know? So, like, as the as the one that's going to this teacher, mm-hmm. and this teacher is telling you to do these things or mm-hmm. whatever. You have to know that that's not normal (laughs) and to talk to somebody about it, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think telling them stuff like this, showing something like this documentary, like it's hard, like it's definitely hard. And I don't think that people like five year olds need to watch it. Mm -hmm. But I think like 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know,
1: it starts. I mean, the sexual harassment of girls starts really early. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely does, and like I, I as a high, somebody who went to high school, like as, as I guess we all have been to high school, but like it, it you look back as an adult and you think of all those inappropriate moments where you're like, really, dog? <laughs> you know, and you know we have to convince these girls that like, nah, nah, just because like Kylie and Kylie was 14 and she was dating Tigger, no, this is not okay. Yeah, you know, like. We see a lot of images in our media that kind of keep pushing this idea where it's kind of okay. And then you realize like, no, it's not. We just live in a world that's misogynistic and there's a lot of perverts in it. You know, it's it's also being able to explain to these girls like, "Sorry, that 25-year-old do, does not think that you're mature for your age. He's a pedophile."
0: Right. Yeah.
1: That camera he has is not because he thinks you're pretty. It's because he thinks that you're the thinks that you're a child and he's a pedophile. You know, and it's, it's, it's hard to get that through when you have all these other competing images and media and things that are telling these children, these, these young girls, or young boys too, because it's happening to everybody in the system, um, that these are not okay and this is not normal and this is not right. And no, they're not going to kill your entire family. Go and tell on them. You know, what you're, what you're saying and what you need to say is super important. Um, how has working on a project like this kind of changed how you, okay. (laughs) let me, okay, so I'm going to save that question for when we get back right now, we are going to take a break and, uh, is there a commercial? Yeah, I think there's a commercial. Here comes a commercial, y'all. See you in a little bit. Hi, this is two girls
0: on a bench, the podcast. So we're two writers who tend to procrastinate just a bit. We like to snack. We like to talk. We don't have time to write, but we have time to do this podcast. We certainly do. Join us on the bench. Listen in. At number two, Girls on a Bench.
1: And it is still Megan and Maddie on the mic. I don't know how many more M's I can throw in there. I think I'm (laughs) done with all the M's. Maybe there's some maybes in there. Um, (laughs) We're going to pick up where we left off. Okay, so I was going to ask you before uh, break, how did this all start for you? Like, for me, I know that I was sitting on the couch watching... Uh, uh, an old film with my grandmother and then I saw Betty Davis come down and deliver lines from all in all about Eve and I was I was there I was just like oh this is what I'm going to do so for you what was that that moment that moment where you're like aha
0: I'm a <laughs> film person I think it's it's a little um kind of all over I don't know if there was a sp- specific definite moment mm-hmm. um but like some point when I was in high school, I remember watching like Lord of the Rings with my family because that that's just a tradition that we'd watch it at least like twice a year, if not more. I have yet um, to see it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it's phenomenal movie. Oh, or I bet it is series. Um, but so what caught my attention was I think like I had seen some behind the scenes mm-hmm. of uh, like the making mm-hmm. and. I thought it was so interesting because um uh, he ended up like using like model um sets so it it was just this like they built the the outside world you know and then had that kind of like um the drone shots weren't mm-hmm. actual drone shots but they weren't also like super computerized either mm-hmm. it was a miniature set oh, and God. so like things like that like they like seeing how they do that and like um he uh peter jackson was like very specific on the props that he would use and i think if i'm remembering right i think he ended up having like a specific stamp that like if it was Peter Jackson approved, he would stamp it. (laughs) I love it, I love it, I want that stamp now. I want that stamp as a
1: tattoo.
0: And he, so he, um, he, all of the props were like specifically made for the movies and uh, it was just, he was so, um, he wanted to make sure that the movie did the book as much justice Mm -hmm. as it could. Um, The Hobbit's a different story because I think he was brought on a little late for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But Lord of the Rings was just super great. And, like, the the behind-the-scenes really caught my attention. And I always thought it would be really, really cool to be, like, on set Mm -hmm. and see it in person. And so then later on, um, I started to watch some more, like, behind-the-scenes of other things and whatever. And, um, like... It kind of caught my attention on like uh, I would watch um, like Law and Order or something, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. and see like the difference in like the the textures mm-hmm. and the color and the um, the lighting, all that stuff, in comparison to like um, I, I'm not I don't know like uh, Parks and Recreation. Parks or something <laughs> like it's it's two very different moods and stuff and like what makes that different you know things like that and it just kind of grew from there and i ended up being a little bit more geeky about like um you know certain like blockbuster movies at the time so it was like when the uh the like iron man first came mm-hmm. out or um the first like avengers movie you know mm-hmm. like i got Really into the story for those, yeah. and like kind of in that discovered um, how much they put into it from the beginning. Because yeah. if if you're a Marvel fan at all, like yeah, seeing, the, <laughs> seeing the seeing uh, the the branch of like they knew from the beginning, like from Iron Man, yeah. where this was going, mm-hmm. all the way to End Game. And if they didn't, they did a really good job on connecting all the strings. Because it's very specific in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. and it's just—it was really cool to me. And um, I think I remember being in tenth grade and telling my parents I wanted to be a director. And then uh, they seemed kind of like, you know, <laughs> they're like, "Wait, what? It's it, that's that's a good choice, but like, you know, maybe look into some other options just in case it doesn't work out. You know, things like that." And then um, I went to an internship that was specific for like um, video, mm-hmm. and I worked in a digital video uh, like broadcast company for a while. And um, after after a while there, um, I just kind of like w- wanted to get into narrative, mm-hmm. and it felt like that the opportunity to do that wasn't there, so I brought it up to my parents again and I'm like look I looked online there's this place called IPR um, just in the city and I think I should go you know and they saw the price tag and it took them a while to come around mm-hmm. and I ended up starting in uh October of 2019 and I got my associate's degree in July so since then though kind of showing that I've been um moving forward and and gaining knowledge and experience in all of this and it was just really cool so far so
1: that's awesome that's awesome for me um I knew I wanted to do it since I was like six and then by 14 I had become an award-winning playwright and then my family was just like so you're gonna be a doctor and I was like they're like your grades and and I remember being arm deep in a cadaver and being like Screw this! I'm going i like screw this. I'm going into film, <laughs> you know, you know, and it's 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 one of those things where we all have to kind of go. Okay, this is this is this is what I meant to do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm glad your parents, have your have your parents come around yet, or are they still oh, like? Oh yeah, they
0: they you know, I can still be a doctor, honey. Maybe an esthetician. What else? <laughs> they were always kind of like they they've always been super supportive mm-hmm. and like um. Whatever you want to push towards, we'll help you in any way we can. Aww. Um, I think for them, it was just the, uh, the you know, um, they're both working standard jobs. Okay. And uh, so they they bring in a certain amount of money, and that's what we have type of thing. Yeah. And they, in the past, had dealt with, you know, like a little bit of a debt issue. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't want me to end up in the same boat. So, like, doing something, like, specifically film or something freelance or Mm -hmm. whatever, it's, like, that doesn't give a guarantee for, like, how much money you're going to have in that week. Nope. So, like, I think they were just more or less concerned on that end. But when they... When I was in the internship, that's when they started to really see the passion grow. Yeah. Because I I would want to just go out and shoot something, basically. Mm -hmm. And I spent the very little money i was able to make because it's an, it was an unpaid internship so mm-hmm. i had to have a very very minimal job on the side yeah wasn't making much money and wasn't working many hours so i saved up and i bought a gh3 nice <laughs> so it was like it was like 400 bucks at the time and then yeah. um i got like some kit lenses and i was just so excited because i was i was able to use something that wasn't my phone Mm-hmm. And, um, I think I just, I went outside and I was like shooting some random shots of like nature or mm-hmm. whatever. And then I would take, um, one of my favorite songs and just kind of like cut it to the music yeah, or something. And then every time get copyrighted because I didn't have the rights to the song or anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> but, uh, it just kind of grew from there. And I think like when I first went to IPR, um, I went in with the attitude of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own myself in this industry, and I'm gonna work hard and, and make it work for me. And I think my uh, my professor um, saw that from day one, and um, he pushed me. And we, um, I think he saw like that that like the drive that I had. And I think on the first, within the first like two weeks, um, my crew, the, the people who were in the same class as mm-hmm. me, I just went up to them and I'm like, look, I know we're brand new at this and none of us probably have the professional experience yet, mm-hmm. but do you guys wanna shoot something? Love it. <laughs> so, Love it. So we, we jumped into the studio and we started to shoot some scenes of this really basic short film that I had that was never produced because I never got a location that I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like such a moment to realize that, you know, I had this passion for so long and knew, I, the only other people I knew at the time had this thought process of like, I love what I do, but it's just a job. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, even if I didn't get paid for it, I don't want to do this, Yep. you know? and uh so like to meet all these people you know and they all they're all just as down to spend the next five hours on something that's Mm -hmm. probably gonna get thrown away anyway you know it's just it was just kind of a really really fun feeling so and since then I've been striving for it Mm -hmm.
1: well it's about it's it's about wanting to be there wanting to like do the work it's about just wanting to be there, and I think a lot of people are like, well, and, and and wanting to actually be there not because you can brag, not because you're like, oh, well, this looks good. It's because you really want to be there. You really right? want the knowledge, you really want the experience. Um, it's always magical to be able to find people who, who love this and care about this as much as we do. Mm-hmm. As be like, oh, wow, I get to get up and make a film! <laughs> you know, and I've been doing it for free for a very long time, and then there's hit a point where I was just like, I got enough experience, let's get paid.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Like, there's still obviously a lot to learn, and mm-hmm. I think my ultimate goal, I mean, not my next goal mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that I'm striving towards is being able to uh, freely DP mm-hmm. um, a, a short narrative, mm-hmm. um, but there's just so much experience that I feel like I'm still lacking, um, so I've been, I've been assistant camera, you know, for multiple film sets at this point, And like every time still learning quite a bit on how to be an assistant camera, you know,
1: I don't think that there's ever a point where you, if you stop learning at what you're doing,
0: then it's time to quit. <laughs> well, that's true. And, and it's, I guess there's never really a point where it's like, I know enough, mm-hmm. but it's, I think like, I want to be able to grab the camera and not not so much like be confident in what i'm doing mm-hmm. but know that the people who are looking to me for direction as a dp can have confidence in me that i'm going to deliver the product that they want yeah so like that's what i'm striving towards and i'm 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 dp in quotation marks mm-hmm. for some things but it's not it's not to that extent it, it's usually just like like a camera op You know like they're telling me exactly what they want what they want it to look like and I have hardly any creative say in it um or I'm DP in quotation marks technically a videographer Mm -hmm. you know covering like an event or some other thing like that so it's it's like I have all the creative say in it but it's like whether or not it's going to be used or if it's like needed at all or anything like that that's the question and it's not into a story at all it's just for an event so I want to I just want to get to the point where I can like um sit down with a director and they can tell me generally what they want and then I can just produce it for them
1: that's awesome that's awesome well we probably should talk I actually have some (laughs) products coming up and, and you said you ran a business and I realized that I call mine a marketing company, but we actually end up doing a lot of the same things. <laughs> you know, it was it's definitely cool, because it was like talking to you and being like, wait, I do that, and I do that too. Wait, what? How did, what? <laughs> when you think you're all alone, and then you meet somebody where you're like, wow, we're doing the same thing, we should definitely collab we should definitely collaborate like there's a you know it was really weird there's a project I want to do about five female crime bosses kind of doing their own like hunting each other down through the city mm-hmm. and I was like I cannot shoot this with a male crew <laughs> you know because they'll be because then it'll you know you already know that there'll be like so many things that they'll be like no they need to act this way and it's like mm-hmm. I'm a girl screw you um not saying that but like okay so (laughs) i'm trying to keep it pg but like i have a potty mouth i don't know why i just do i think it's because i went to catholic school i think that's what what it is i went to catholic school so i have the worst potty mouth ever but so we are female producers we're female directors so we know that the word feminist now gets thrown around a lot and what is feminism and what is not feminism are we feminists because are we are we feminists because we are making and directing and doing things that women aren't supposedly supposed to do or are we just kind of living our lives as women and doing what we want to do and for me feminism is a term that's very hard for me because feminism isn't always intersectional you know we're trying to make it intersectional but at this moment in time it's not you know and i would love to see that change and i think it is changing the more that we're able to tell our stories to each other, the more that like me and you are able to talk and be like, this is what's happening to me as a woman, this is what's Mm -hmm. happening to me as a brown woman. This is where we're meeting up and intersecting as women. Yeah. You know? Um, But let's say there's some films that are supposed to be these (laughs) feminist, you know, feminist... Pieces that talk about how it is really for women
0: and they're still just really toxic. And they're still really (laughs)
1: toxic because they're they're the idea of what women are created by men. Like I was watching Neon Demon and there were some things that I was just like, yeah, yeah, I see that. And then at the end of it, I was like, What the what? (laughs) Like, you know, there would be like and then it was like, okay, I know that, I know the bathroom scene, I know that, 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 and then I'd be like, What the hell is that? Why would what? Where ah! we were talking um, just off 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 mic uh, about those movies where we're like, wait, there's nothing feminist about this. And for me, it was Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch literally felt like a sucker punch in the face. I was super excited about Sucker Punch, and then it was like, oh, this dude can only do 300. Not n- we know who we're talking about. We're like, this dude his idea of what women are and what women actually are are way different than each other. Um, and what was that movie for you?
0: That I think, like was, I, honestly like I there's so many debates with this movie because like some people will say no, it's like it's a stand for women. Yeah. And then other people are like no, it's 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 still just as toxic and that I'm one of those people to think that Birds of Prey yeah. <laughs> is just not that good of a movie in my opinion um it's just like what i was saying was uh it's one of those things that like when you look at it um like what what defines a a man and what defines a woman in like society's terms Mm -hmm. is that a man is usually like strong independent no emotions and then women are the reverse which is like super um Submissive. Yeah, yeah, like like they're just super emotional and like We're waiting to weak. be saved. And um this movie, yes, it does take a stand on that end of saying that like women are strong. Yeah. Um however it's it's still sexist because it's it implies that every guy is a bad guy.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think that um lesson is very is still very toxic because it is, it it's is. You, it's not that it, I think feminism means equality. It doesn't mean it does. women are better than men and men are dogs. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like I mean I know a few puppies, but
1: <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. Like um, <laughs> No, you're you're absolutely right with that. Like I the movie was like bubblegum. Like it is, like it was like hubba bubba. It was good for a few chews. It was cool, it made a giant bubble, and then it was just like, okay, I'm over that now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like this leaving this indelible mark that some people feel. Because most people I feel like tell me that like that movie is a big feminist statement are usually don't have vaginas. So it's <laughs> like, yeah, that's how women are. And like I felt for me, that film was the interaction between the female characters just felt very tin can. Like it felt very like It felt forced. Like It, it- was forced. There was no actual chemistry. Um, the over like and then there was just like heavy over sexualization,
0: right? And and that was like the primary like um, bad guy personality because mm-hmm. he honestly didn't really have a personality besides yep. objectifying women, yeah. and that's basically that's such a broad like um, in a movie that objectified women. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 such like it was so obvious on like yeah. what the lesson was supposed to be. And to me, I feel like it should almost be a little bit more subtle than that Mm -hmm. because, yeah, we deal with that. We deal with men objectifying women all the time. Yeah. But to have that be his primary personality and everybody else like that as well, and then anybody who goes against him, um, like, goes against that but is still a guy, Mm -hmm. still is the bad guy somehow because he betrays the main character. And it's just like, I don't know, I feel like it's, the movie, yeah, just the movie itself was just not, Not. A, I don't think I would ever have, like, my child watch that movie, because I wouldn't want to get it into their head on, like...
1: Yeah, because it's bright color, well, the movie is marketed towards... Like, we're saying it's for adults, but when you look at it, it is definitely marketed to a younger demographic than the people who are in it. And mm-hmm. like Margot Robbie's definitely in her 30s, <laughs> you know? And a lot of, and all these other characters are too, but the movie is, I, I don't, it's not being sold to adults. It mm-hmm. is being definitely pushed towards a younger market, um, regardless of what they say, the PG-13, whatever the rating is. When you watch it, you realize that this is being pushed towards like teenagers and very, very young adult females, mm-hmm. which makes it, which doesn't just make it like silly, it makes it dangerous.
0: Right. Cuz cuz at that point it's it's like you're shoving it in into their heads on mm-hmm. like hey, you can't with y- pretty colors and y- you you can't trust men because yeah. men men all men are bad. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the that's the lesson. Mm-hmm. And I'm just that's not true. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> you know, it's not. Like, just not true. Like for me personally, <laughs> I had to just come to the conclusion that I just have bad taste
1: in men and not <laughs> all men are bad. And that took me a second to really grip, you know, just because, you know, um, like I said, I'm from, I'm from a teenage, you know, I was born to a teenage single mom, born to a teenage single mom, born to a teenage single mom, you know? I'm, I'm f- how many generations deep of that story, you know? And like, after a while, you begin to, like, you, you begin to, like, envelop and take on these ideas that, oh, it must be all men, that man, And it was just like, I had to come to the conclusion. I was like, no, I'm just, I got a bad picker. I just have to have a bad picker, you know, and it takes a while to like take that accountability and be like, no, I actually just have bad taste in men, not the other, not that men are all trash. And I think sometimes we need to see that as women, not like, oh, all men aren't trash. I just have bad taste. So, but I think that like, the, the, there's a lot of um, weird concepts about what feminism is and you that movie was definitely was was birds of prey not birds of prey wasn't directed or written by a woman
0: i don't think so i I guess i don't know
1: of writers that wrote birds of prey it's
0: it's not surprising because suicide squad tanked so hard um and after that tank they're like we're not gonna have um the same writers or the same director or anything we're gonna you know from what from what i understand i could be dead wrong and people could be like bashing me right now (laughs) but but like i i never really looked into it because i i think at the time when i went to go see it um i'm i am a huge comic fan Mm -hmm. me too um but like DC has always been hit or miss with me. <laughs> DC's hit or miss for everybody, dog.
1: <laughs> Everybody's so. hit or miss
0: with DC. DC is like
1: they'll either come out with like some some, some banger <laughs> and then their next, she'll just be like, what are you guys doing over there? Like yeah. their lack of consistency.
0: And so but so I went to go see it with a friend of mine, and I yeah. think we both went in with this mindset of like, this could be absolute like trash. Or it could be really, really good, you know. And I think we came out with different perspectives on it because, you know, she was very like, um, you know, with the mindset of like, women have been treated so poorly over the past few years. We needed this, you know. And I understand that mindset to an extent because, like, I get it in the perspective of, you know, choosing like um, a woman over a man for a job, you know, because the men have been chosen for so long you know like that there's that perspective but i think it goes there's a line
1: <laughs> i think there is. You know, <laughs> like, it's like for me that feels more like a choice between starving to death or having to eat a mcdonald's sandwich right <laughs> you know like just because you're starving and this is this is this is something doesn't mean it's that great for you mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's that good it just means that you had nothing else so you got to take crumbs you gotta take you gotta eat crumbs with bums for now um yeah that wasn't my like i i I feel like i'm a lot closer to the mindset that you have because i'm like yeah that's still absolutely trash you know it's like yeah if that's so this is what we get great there's a lot more stories and a lot better there's a lot better stories there's a lot more stories by female directors but i feel like because you know we've lived in like we live and we work and we've been in such a male dominated industry which is the film industry Mm -hmm. where women are only seen through the lens of um I call it the, well, it's called the Madonna horror complex. Like, either either you're hot or you're somebody's mom. <laughs> and you know, and for me as a woman of color, it, we don't even, a lot of us don't even get to be hot unless you're like, have this like, um, there's a certain skin tone, there's a certain, you have to be Holly Berry, you can't be Viola Davis. Hmm. You know, there's, there's a total difference between, you know, and then you see the difference between the two. Holly Berry is either a sex symbol or Viola Davis is always playing somebody's maid. And I think that's kind of what the roles have been in the industry, not just for women of color, but just for women in general. Either you're sexy, well, sometimes you get to be sexy and a maid, you get to be J-Lo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or, or you can't, you can't be, your, uh, you just can't be the character standing on her own two feet. So I guess the only way we can, I guess, not the only way, but I feel like maybe they're just trying to make it easier to start seeing this by offering it in a very non, non-threatening, you look better if you smile kind of way. And I think that's kind of what these these corporations are are thinking that they're going to do. But uh, but I don't think that a lot of these corporations, most of these people, because I remember filmism, film is a business. Paramount is a corporation. Mm-hmm. We forget that part. Universal's a corporation. Disney's a corporation. And they're not people. They're definitely corporations. You know, and this is how they think and this is how they see and they're trying to offer us this idea of feminism that won't threaten men.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and, that's where it's like. That's where I can understand the perspective of, like, you know, why my friend thought the movie, like Birds of Prey, was good in the sense of, like, you know, we've had we've been bashed for so long. You know, um, I think that having that mindset, like, when it comes to being on set, mm-hmm. is very different than having that mindset when it comes to being in the movie. Yeah, because the movie is is a lesson, and the movie should be stating something more along the lines of, like. You know, we 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 are equal. Mm-hmm. You know, but it should be known that we've been treated poorly. Yeah. You know, and like there needs to be more stand up. Yeah. You know, I think. Well, it is known but, that we've been
1: treated poorly. <laughs> it's just, do they care? That's true. Our goal is to make them care because it's no secret that like there is a Salem <laughs> trial. It's no secret that like you know that women have been treated poorly throughout like through well throughout society. I mean, like, what was the last time we were treated good was... Um, I think there were druids. I think druids were involved. <laughs> you know? I, I think that there are some, some forest worshipping of the sun type involved. Oh, Egypt. <laughs> I guess Egypt would have probably been the last time that that was a thing.
0: Um, I will say one thing that could help, just for, for women in general, would be to stop making... Movies or glorifying older men and young women oh, together. Oh, gross!
1: And it's just so true. Like, like it,
0: I I understand in the perspective of like maybe you you fell in love with somebody who's who is was, who was a little older than you or somebody who's younger than you yeah. or whatever. That's fine, but in filmmaking, when when it's like constant, like the the older man who is the hero constantly has, um, like a very young significant other
1: <coughs> lost in translation um <laughs> <It's>, sorry oh.
0: <laughs> like i was talking to my sister about it and i don't i don't remember what we what we came across like what movie i was specifically thinking about because i'm i am thinking about a very specific movie mm-hmm. um but it's like but it's very generic too like i guarantee if i say this it's people are gonna think of like all these different movies it's a trope it but it's an old
1: trope where it's just like
0: it's like this old man who's you know like this this superhero this uh Mm -hmm. he and he's able to fight off the bad guys Mm -hmm. and whatever and like he's this huge playboy and like all the girls want to be with him and (laughs) the person that he's actually with is like 20 years younger than him and stuff like that and it's like it's just gross like let's stop (laughs) it is
1: gross but i feel like there's so many it is you know what it is a male fantasy that's a male-dominated fantasy. That one day true. I'm going to get rich and I'm going to go and and buy the love of this girl <laughs> that would never normally talk to me unless I had money. True. And they don't see how vile that is, and how in in reality it actually just like boils a man down to the sum of his wallet, mm-hmm. and that's disgusting on many levels. Like it almost de- I feel like these ideas that other men have for themselves is almost dehumanizing to them, like why would you want somebody that you can't talk to? And then, you know what, I know a couple of people doing that right now that are like, like I have a friend who he's in his, he's 38 and his baby mama is 21. And he'll be like, I don't know why she's so childish. And I was like, probably because she's not old enough to rent a car yet. You know, like yeah. you like the idea that this in, in euthanizes you, but at the same, you not euthanize. I think that sounded really wrong. <laughs> that it it lets them capture and hold on to this idea of being a, almost a little kid, but in reality, you're always an adult, and that's going to keep hitting you over and over again as you're like, I don't know why she's just so immature, and it's like, well, she was 19 when you met her, and you were 37. You know, it's it's the fact that, like, they don't want to accept that the reason that girl's their own age doesn't deal with them because we, we know that you're trash. You know, it's a lot easier to convince a 19-year-old mm-hmm. that you're not trash than it is to convince me, you know, somebody who's, like, they're your own age and being like, no, dog, nah, <laughs> yeah, you're trash. You're trash and you need to grow up. Oh, guess you're going to go talk to 20-year-olds now. Um but those people still count as, it. it is predatorial. True. Yes, yes. It's predatorial. Like, if you're 20 years older than somebody, what are, like, you're their parent. You're their you're their parent at that point. <laughs> you're having an uncomfortable relationship <laughs> with somebody who's oh, young enough to be your child. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hate that trope. I need that trope to go away. But I feel like as long as we're gonna keep dealing with, like, as long as the landscape is male-dominated, we're gonna still be dealing with these male-dominated, fantasies that only really can occur in a fantasy where you're rich and then this happens and then this happens the whole superhero the old man superhero and it's like it's like you know what what i really like that's happening is like charlie's theron has decided that the older she gets the more badass she's gonna
0: get (laughs) and that's something i feel like is counter is the counter to that but well and like the nice thing is just the internet in general because like you know people are becoming a little bit more vocal Mm -hmm. on like you know when a movie comes out that seems very very sexist yeah um in either direction people will spit it out like people people will like post bashing it saying that this is not okay Mm -hmm. you know and other people are going to see those opinions and more opinions are going to develop and everything and like whether good or bad people are talking about it that's all that matters and that's what matters (laughs) because somewhere in there
1: somebody's going to derive something that
0: is actually useful we
1: hope Mm -hmm. you know we hope that somebody's going to take that and see that and be like oh word i get it i get it um what i want to see to stop happening is like when women like me and you are on set i don't i don't want to be called aggressive anymore for doing the same thing that a male director would do right yeah being labeled as aggressive and for me as like, um, not to keep bringing this up, but as a woman of color, I'm automatically labeled as masculine before I even open my mouth. So it's, 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 my goal here is that hopefully the more we do this work, the more the labels will disappear. The more, oh, she was straightforward with me. I don't know how to take that. You know, <laughs> I, I would like to see more and more of the, the ultra sensitive white male to be phased out of production. And not sensitive in the way that you're in touch with your emotions, but sensitive in a way in which nobody can ask you or or um, counter what you're saying.
0: Unless they're also a white male. Yeah.
1: Like like not the sensitivity as in where you're in touch with your emotions, but yeah. Like where nobody can where nobody can say your word unless nobody can ask you anything. Nobody can question you as long as they're if they're not white and male. You know? Um But I feel like the fact that, like, me and you can say that we are those girls on these sets means that it's changing because there's going to be more of us. You know, as we do this, there's going to be more of us. We're going to make more of us because other people will see the work that we're doing. And other people are going to see the work that you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, with the documentary and all of that. You're putting yourself and your energy into that. And there's no way that that doesn't, that's not going to come back to you, you know? That's going to come back to you because just energy, energy in the universe. So I feel like people will see your passion. People will see the passion that you're putting and bringing on set, and those have, and those who aren't scared of it will be ready for it. And those who aren't, well, they'll figure. It, they'll show themselves out. <laughs> <laughs> they will. They won't be welcomed on sets anymore because as the landscape is changing, there's there's more of me and you happening every day.
0: Right, and I think people are becoming like realizing more and more, like as we were t- talking off um, mm-hmm. off air, uh, that like it is a little bit more comfortable. When you have women on set, just mm-hmm. because, like you know, it's, um, like it. There's this uh, untruth, mm-hmm. this this false like um, feeling that if you have a girl on set, that it's gonna be like um, dramatic mm-hmm. or like uh, just just sensitive or anything like that but in reality like from my experience um and i'm a girl so maybe i'm not the best person to ask for bias but like we rock though from from what i understand like when you have um like a female director, a female DP, and a female uh, grip or something, and like, sure, there can be a few guys there, but like when when you have leads who are all girls mm-hmm. or most girls, um, it can be a little bit more relaxed. Oh, it was almost. awesome! Like, like it's it's it, you know, cause cause I think at that point, you know, if so, if you're if you're a grip mm-hmm. and you're a girl and you're a grip. Mm-hmm and you have like three or four people ahead of you and they're all males they're all gonna be looking at you and like kind of seeing if you can actually do what you say you can do
1: yeah they're eyeballing like yeah
0: but if it's girls that are ahead of you or like you know even just guys who don't really care yeah you know like they have that like yeah guy or girl i just need help you know yeah um or just needs to get done those sets are always so chill yeah. And they're so nice because, like, there's no expectations outside of what you know you can do, you know? And I think that's just how we should have it <laughs> from now I, on. I hope it's like that all the time because
1: like, it's like, like I like I said, I was I was helping to get a film done. And it was like this experience where I was like, for a while, I was just like, am I difficult? How am I difficult when I keep booking all these jobs by these big clients? Like, how am I difficult when I'm paying my bills doing right. this? Right. You know, and it was like watching that project fail, and part of me was like, you know, it became my fault that it failed, you know, or that's what I was kind of. It was convinced that like, oh, it was because you weren't like this, and you didn't get along with everybody, and da da da. And I was like, you mean me being direct and actually saying what needs to happen and not happen, or being like, hey, you know, maybe we should work and not just like party or go hang out on somebody's couch for a while talking about what you're about to do, mm-hmm. you know. I guess maybe I was just the killjoy that was just like, no, we should really get this done. And I was also the only person that was just like, it might take years. Well, how come we don't have money now? And it'd be like, uh, it's it only been two weeks since we started that. So, you know, it was switching and finally, and when I finally did get a film done, it was a mostly, it was mostly all women. And it just made it easier, there was no, there was no, oh, should you be here or not? It was just like, well, we're obviously here, so we obviously can do this job. Mm-hmm. And it was easier, I could say something to them directly, they could say something back to me directly, there wasn't any kind of, well, I gotta I gotta talk to you like this, in this voice, so I'm not considered to be aggressive or masculine, or all that other crap you gotta do on top mm-hmm. for the like really sensitive egos. Mm-hmm. I'm over that, and I'm glad that like you exist and you're also <laughs> over that, and then you're just not gonna deal with that anymore. Um, because you are doing a lot, you're doing more than, you're 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 doing more than most people that I've met in this entire city, you know. You're producing, you're running a company, you're directing, you know. You're doing all of the jobs where I see lots of people who probably have a lot to say about what you're doing, but none of them can top what you're doing. Right. Um, I'm very happy that you're that we got a chance to talk. Um, yeah. I'm happy to know you. Like, <laughs> it's nice because it's like I'm I'm out here. And after that experience the the bad experience that I had working with a mostly all male all white crew, I kind of reverted and just started sticking to myself,
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, and kind of same like the like the the short film that I was talking about mm-hmm. um when the uh depression mm-hmm. um like that was one of the um the first films that I was on that I was in charge of mm-hmm. that I knew was a very positive experience for me. Yeah. Because, and I I kept thinking that I it was because I was fully in charge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in reality, it was just everybody that was there, I was comfortable with. And like, like I, I knew there was no um, negative comments that I know about, anyway. Um, and everybody was like on board for the project and everything like that. And it was just, it felt very warming to know that I had a strong backing for mm-hmm. this, whereas some other short films that I've been on that I was a lead in, um, it just it kind of felt like I was objectified somehow yes. and I just kind of like moving forward thought that that meant that I just needed to take full control of my projects. but um, I didn't I didn't want to come off aggressive. So, I just started to take projects by myself yeah. or with like one or two other people that I mm-hmm. knew, and um i'd you know I'd get asked to be on set mm-hmm. for some things, and I would jump on as like an AC or a grip or something. but um, I don't know recently i was I just kind of like realized that it's not so much you know, my control mm-hmm. aspect of, like, like I need to be in charge. Yeah, you're not a control it's, freak. It's you're not, a person that has a yeah, vision. It's, it, yeah, it's just more or less, like, I want to be able to execute what I had in my mind, you know, and that's what a director is. It's not a control freak thing. It's it's just I, I have a vision. Let's make this happen. And if you're not on board with it, okay, you don't have to be a part of the project. <laughs> Goodbye.
1: <laughs> I like that. I love that, and and I feel that. I feel that so hardcore. Like, I was definitely like, oh, I'm too aggressive, and da 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 da. So I pulled away from like the whole film scene here and started focusing. It was actually one of the better decisions I've made. Started focusing on bigger clients in different cities because I was just getting more love in like places like Chicago mm-hmm. or LA or New York. Um, but now when I f- get that feeling where i tell myself oh i can't be aggressive now i do the little chant in my head where it's <laughs> be aggressive be, be <laughs> aggressive you know that's what's going on in my head when i'm like oh and then i just tell myself no yeah i'm gonna keep you i have to if you don't go get what you want when you want it and how you want it done then you're not gonna ever get it right and it's and, and it's a good idea that like we just silence any of the voices that put, try to insinuate themselves in your head or any of the people who in the reality the people who are like oh you're aggressive we're just threatened by you mm-hmm. and it's hard to take that especially like as a woman especially when we're trying to make our way in the industry it's hard to silence the voices that we already have going on in our head like you know the imposter syndrome the feeling am i doing this am i wasting my life there's a lot of things going on in our head, you know And then to have other voices start feeding in like, oh, you're like for me, like I said, difficult or, oh, you're aggressive and then have to like also now live in this like little tiny box where you're like, oh, I can't be too aggressive and all that. You're right. Screw them. (laughs) I no longer think like that. Oh, if you think I'm too aggressive. okay, cool. You go try what you're doing on another set Mm -hmm. or on a real set. Go and try to do that stuff in NBC or CBS. Or, or any or, or any other professional production company and watch how you won't be working, right? You know And I've had the wonderful opportunity to see the fact that like the same people who try to give me that haven't gotten any further in their career. <laughs> you know? And it was just like, wow, I was taking the, the mindset of somebody who no way in, in hell could ever touch what I'm doing. Because, you know, like you were saying earlier, and like, you know, I was kind of thinking the same thing. We're crying over our screens at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know? We're reading and doing the hard work where, you know, like, had you mentioned, like, you were, you had it shut off the computer and eat chicken nuggets <laughs> and watch The Office. Those same people aren't willing to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're done on the set, they're like, yeah, I'm gonna go drink beers, and I'm never gonna think about this again until I'm back. And for us, it's like this script, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. we're crying at three in the morning, we're crying over our screens, we're smiling to ourselves about scenes that we're plotting in our head. You know, it's for, for us, it's just different. Yeah. And I think if somebody doesn't see that, if somebody takes that passion as aggression, then they're probably not that passionate about what they're doing. Like if they can't see the vision, then that's fine. You don't have to see the vision, but you can't get in the way of me making this vision happen, right. And I think also being able to dispel those voices you know from from the incidents that we have had with the with the boys club, I'm calling it the Boys Club because Minneapolis <laughs> is mostly like i like y'all are cool, but the film scene in Minneapolis is a boys club it's an, It's an all white yeah. male boys club of people who can afford equipment. But they, don't, they might not necessarily have the talent or the real drive. And I'm happy that you're in it. I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that we get to break this glass ceiling together. Because oftentimes, it just feels like you're fighting this by yourself. Yeah. It feels like you're on set being told you're aggressive, and all of a sudden, you're like, it's me against 20 people that yeah. didn't see what happened beforehand. Oh, you're being antagonistic. And I was like, but you didn't, you just, you got I can't, and then you live in this ball of frustration and you're like, okay, how do I prevent from being seen as this? And now it's just say, screw it, who cares how they see you, get the project done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's a hard place to go, but I think that you're doing a wonderful job at it. I think that you're gonna keep doing that. And I think just the people who are going to keep doing, say these things to you, you recognize that they're just right. Mm-hmm and that may i mean you're a very humble person so that may that may mess up, mess with you but at the same time you're a humble but driven person and you're ambitious and the projects that you're talking about are for for you said that you're new to the industry i didn't realize how new because the way you talk in the, the way years. yeah the way you talk and the things that you're driven by it's just like wow that's hardcore especially for somebody who's very new to this game which i didn't know um I think you're gonna have a very long career and there's gonna be a lot of people along the way that are gonna tell you that you're too much and this, that, and the other, but they're never gonna be able to beat you. They're never gonna, they're gonna run circles around, like you're gonna run circles around them. (laughs) Because if they got time to think that you're aggressive instead of getting the job done, then they aren't thinking about the same things and they're not as ambitious and they're not thinking about the same things in the way that you are. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about people who will never be on your level. (laughs) I had to learn that the hard way. I had to learn that in, like, the most painful way possible. But if I had not learned those lessons, I would not be able to say that, like, I'm working on my... just finished a movie about a female serial killer um, that's being edited. And then I have two more films happening, you know. And being paid for them is the best part. <laughs> um, without going through that, I, I I'm not saying that, like... Suffering should is you you should have to suffer for your art, but going through that suffering and then having to deal with all the things and the negative things that happened and how it was my fault the project fell apart, even though it really wasn't. Um put me in a position where I'm never gonna let that happen again.
0: Well, and like it it weirdly helps in mm-hmm. some ways. Because like when when you're writing a script or something and then obviously Every character has to have some sort of trauma. Yeah, you know. And um, if you're writing like in the perspective of a, a woman, mm-hmm. you know, who's being treated poorly, you have that experience. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you know what that's like, so you can easily write about that if that's or a branch off of that, you know, like if if it's just a trauma about being treated poorly. Yeah, you know, like you know what direction to go. Mm-hmm if if it was like i like i can't write a story about a character i mean like i could but there's no way that i can understand the trauma that somebody would go through in um i don't know accidentally hitting somebody with their car yeah you know like i can't write about those emotions because i've i've never done that you know mm-hmm. so but like it when you're going through all these experiences and all these different um like emotions and everything you know like when you're put into these different situations it's uh it helps write a better story you know like when when you're treated poorly on set you're able to understand the emotions better to better your story you know Mm -hmm. so I don't know
1: I know I agree with it but for (laughs) me I think it's a little different like what they
0: didn't know is that I've been running on spite and marijuana
1: for at least <laughs> since since you know since at least high school, so it's like I I'm running on spite, coffee and <laughs> and marijuana, so it was one of those things where like instead of um, I think instead of what the intention was behind it was because I'm I can I gotta admit uh, to somebody that is that has a. Uh, To somebody with low self-esteem or that has, like, a weak ego or whatever, I am threatening. I am intense. Even though I may not be intimidating just because somebody is intimidated. Like, it's like, for me, I could see, like, if you're, like, somebody being intimidated by me, I could see that. But for me, I was, like, not an intimidating person.
0: It's just, it's the confidence. Like, I've been told before that I'm intimidating just because, like how I present myself in in some situations. Yeah. I've gotten softer as as time has gone on to mm-hmm. just to combat that a little bit because I didn't want people to think constantly that I'm intimidating mm-hmm. and they can't come to me. Well,
2: that for has nothing stuff. to do
0: with you though. But that that's what I mean. It's like it's it's just like it's your confidence in who you are mm-hmm. and what you're able to do. And when people see the confidence, they kind of get it confused with intimidating yeah. which it's all on them you it's know? all like
1: <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's their fears i realized that it has nothing to do with me mm-hmm. you can be as nice as possible but as long as you're somebody who's driven as long as some you're somebody who has the accolades as long as you're somebody that's always building People who are not doing as much are always gonna be threatened by you. Yeah. There's nothing you can really do about that and you can't make them work harder and you just kinda have to be okay being the villain in that story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like whatever story you tell yourself, that's fine. It has nothing to do with me, nor is it gonna stop me. <laughs> like, you can be intimidated by me and make sure to buy your movie ticket and see me on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know what? You don't like me, that's cool. I'm on Amazon Prime this weekend. Could you, um, you know, just look that up for me, you know? You know? <laughs> I'm a jerk, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I like, am a complete jerk, especially after uh, after dealing with people's crap. Um, but yeah, uh, May, oh, well, I could talk to Megan forever, but I think it's almost time for us to go. Uh, I think it is time for us to go. We've already been going, we've already went over like twenty thirty minutes of conversation. Uh, I am just excited to be able to talk to another um, woman who has a similar mindset that I have. Uh, it's just you know,
0: we been feel a great like pleasure talking to you. Actually. Yes, We will talk
1: more. <laughs> like we want to talk. I want to talk to you more. We're going to collaborate. You guys are going to see a collaboration between us eventually. Um, it was amazing talking to you. I enjoyed talking to you. I can't wait to talk to you again, on mm-hmm. or off air. Um, and for everybody listening out there, may we may our lives be filled with strong women. May we make more strong women, and may we love all the strong women in our lives right now. Um, other than that, this was the St. Paul Film Cast. I was your guest host, Madeline Carita, and I was with Megan Trendle. I think I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you guys tune in um, for our next episode. Wait, what does it say? Oh, it's all over till the... It's not over until... The guest says it's over. Okay, wait, wait, hold up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm having a Cyrano, a Cyrano de Bergerac moment. Hold on. It's not over till the guest says it's over. What would you like to say to sign off? It's over. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's not a-